Welcome to the Sargent Podcast. I'm Sarah McClintock. The Sargent Gallery opened to the public in 1919. The building, designed in the shape of a Greek cross, has a 12-metre-high dome in the centre, suspended ceilings, and is clad in creamy omaru stone. The first exhibition contained many loans, as works of the collection were still being sought in Europe. There was no collection store, natural light flooded the gallery, and climate control was non-existent. Almost 100 years later, this grand building is still one of the most impressive galleries in the country, but it needs work. It only meets 5% of the building code, is earthquake prone, and is severely lacking in space to safely house the impressive collection that has been purchased and gifted over the last 10 decades. With this in mind, the Sargent Gallery collection and exhibition spaces have been relocated to a temporary space on Topol Quay as we fundraise to earthquake strengthen the gallery and expand its exhibition and storage space. The move to Sargent on the Quay required help from a team of dedicated arts professionals and we received funding from Lotteries New Zealand to hire four collection transition assistants to document, pack and move the collection over 21 months. These four staff members are nearing the end of their contracts at the Sargent and we are sad to see them go. But before they move on, they've each curated an exhibition based on their time at the Sargent and their favourites from the collection. Let's talk to them. So I suppose we should let everyone know that we're recording in the collection store upstairs at 38 Key. So if they hear sounds that uh, sound like air conditioning and other weird noises, that that is what it is. So we're sitting in the space where at the moment you guys are doing a lot of your work. I'll just get you to quickly introduce yourselves. We'll start to my left. Um, ben Davis, and I'm just yeah one of the collection transition assistants. I'm Tamari Barham, one of the collection transition assistants. I'm Jessica Kidd, and you might have guessed I'm one of those two. <laughs> and I'm Kimberly Stevenson. Let me guess, also part of the collection transition team. So, as I said in the intro, you guys have been here to help move, document and pack the works that we've moved from uh, the Sergeant up in Queen's Park down to Sergeant on the Quay. Do you want to talk a little bit about why you wanted to come to the Sergeant? Uh, I think the main reason for wanting to work here was to get back into working in the arts as that was what I studied in at uni and prior to coming here I was working in museums but I just wanted to get back into working in art galleries because that was where my passion lay and also I was working a lot just doing day-to-day admin stuff with collection and I really wanted to get back into doing hands-on stuff with the collection so I thought it was a very good opportunity and just to be back working in a team as well which I missed, and it's been great. I grew up in Wanganui, this is Jessica talking, (laughs) and I've visited here all my life, so it was kind of a dream of mine to work at the Sargent one day, and now I'm here living the dream. That's good. (laughs) We like to fulfil dreams here at the Sargent. Um, Yeah, when the job came up, I was working in Auckland, and I always knew about the Sargent, and especially its photographic collection. So that was a big draw for me, was a chance to work on uh, the photographic collection, but also such a big collection, and having worked on the Gavit Brewster move, which was quite large, but we did that in like a month, and then this being over two years, it was seemed like an opportunity that was kind of too good to pass up. 
I knew that the transition project was on the horizon and I really wanted to be a part of that in particular because it's a really exciting time for the gallery and helping towards the redevelopment of the gallery. I think it'll be like a once in a lifetime opportunity. And also getting to work with the collection as a whole, like being able to see the collection in its entirety hasn't been done for decades, if ever. So I think most people probably have no idea what a collection transitions assistant actually means or what it is you actually do and I don't think a lot of us here actually knew what would really be involved in moving an entire collection which when we started the move we knew we had over five and a half thousand works now we have over eight thousand and, and counting <laughs> so what is it that you actually have done day to day well we've pretty much done everything like we've had a really great manager who's given us all the opportunities in the world to do everything from cataloguing the works on Vernon to moving the artworks in different types of storage things like travel frames and open crates for our 3D sculpture works and what else have we done? Lots of it things. began with inventorying yeah. exactly what we had in, in the different sections of the collection, what we were dealing with, we kind of broke it up into smaller workable groups. Because I think what most people don't realise is that, so Henry Sargent died in 1912, left the money for the gallery. The gallery opened in 1919, but the first work was actually bought in 1901. So the collection's over 100 years, and that's a long time to be collecting, and the practices we use today in museums and galleries are a lot different than they were in the early 20th century. So it means that we can look at the whole collection with a modern um, gallery eye to make sure that everything's listed the correct way and looked yeah. after in the right way. That's where Jennifer's been really great as a manager because she's really allowed us to do this museum practice and she's provided us with all the materials we need to do really good packing and training if we didn't have the knowledge in certain areas. Um, when we were moving everything down from Queen's Park to Torpal Key because we had to do it quickly, lots of the works that we didn't have any information about we had to give X numbers. Now that we're down at Triple Key, we've given, like, got lots of time where we can do start doing research. Well, there are heaps of different types of artworks, the sergeant, and each different kind has a different way of packing it. And one of those, one of the things that we have are lots of 3D and sculptural works. And for those, we had special open crates made. Uh, we got Detlef Klein and Aaron from Manawatu Museum Services to make them and they were all custom built for our, uh, a few of our larger 3D works. And once they arrived, us four, we all got the chance to pack them out um, professionally and Detlef and Aaron spent a whole day with us teaching us like how to pack them out using proper materials like Ethafoam and Tyvek and Dacron. Yeah, I was there too that day and it was really satisfying to put these objects that had just been sitting out in the open in the collection store at the Sergeant in Queen's Park to finally put them into proper homes that have been custom made for them. 
they all look they're actually not that far away from where we're sitting right now and they look very handsome mm. and they're good because they're kind of like permanent storage and the collection store like they can stay there and it also means if we loan them out to other galleries for exhibitions they've already got their packing for moving done so that they're going to be safe one of the first big projects that we worked on was the works on paper collection so that covers things like photographs watercolors prints all those um all the 2d type work and the big part of that was the first um, task was to inventory the collection, to find out what we had, make sure it was on our um, database system Vernon, and then we packed um, the larger works into custom-made boxes, and the smaller works we travelled in um, Solander boxes, which were purchased for us by the members. Yeah, our members are really supportive of this project, and it was really great for them to get funding for us to um, get these amazing new cylinder boxes. So what cylinder boxes are, they're wooden boxes made with archival materials that um, works on paper can sit in long term and be safer. And with the framed works, each individual work, we had glass tape on the face of um, the glazing and then each work was bubble wrapped and travelled in something called a kung fu bin is just a giant collapsible crate with a card in between each work and foam so they couldn't move in transport and then they were unpacked at the other end. And now they're on their shiny beautiful new shelves. And they're all interleaved with beautiful freshly cut card and each card has a little pocket with a little almost like a business card and it has an image of the work that's behind it as well as its accession number and the name and the artist. So now whenever Sarah or Greg or anyone else on staff want to come and look for an artwork for exhibition or loan, they can find it easily and quickly. We don't have to handle a lot of the artwork, we just need to look at the card. It's very easy and very attractive. It is. I think there's about 1600 works on paper in those shelves something like that, so that means we must have cut around 1,600 sheets. In the old building up at Queen's Park there was a room called the Green Room and it was originally planned to be a holding room so for works coming in and out of the gallery it wasn't meant to be a permanent storage place but it ended up housing around 1,100 works by the time we finished sorting it out. So Tamati and I spent a good two months in there working on all the works and all of the smaller 3D works ended up going into plastic tubs which we purchased from stowers and they were fitted out with some cushions that were made by a sewing bee which was a group of very enthusiastic volunteer sewers last year and now they're in the process of being fitted out with the ether foam, dacron and Tyvek nesting that Tamati was speaking about before with the large open crates. Yeah, to move all the paintings from Queen's Park, we had travel frames built, also by Manawatu Museum Services. And um, it's kind of like a modular system, so it's kind of like just a big wooden frame that has adjustable wooden bits in it that you can then attach the paintings to. We had 40 of those, and then they can break down and be stored compactly, and then they can be reconfigured for moving artworks. Not only do we use them to move to Taupoki, but we can use them to send works to, for conservation treatment or for other exhibitions. 
because they can be reconfigured into any size. And yeah. the great thing is we'll be able to use them when we move back to yeah. the Sergeant Gallery in Pukinami Queen's Park. And we'll have to try and break our record of number of paintings that we managed to fit in one travel frame. What was the record? 16. It was pretty good. That's pretty impressive. <laughs> good work. Yeah, it really helped being able to fit more than one painting into a travel frame because it reduced the amount of uh, loads that we had to do with crown and things like that. So it kind of sped up the whole whole process. Yeah. Now you four more than anyone else at the Sergeant Gallery have seen the collection in its entirety, which hasn't really ever been done. What were some of the surprises that you came across? I think these guys will have some good surprises, but for me, just actually getting to see works that I knew about was kind of a surprise. Like, I remember on the first week, one of our first jobs was to measure all of the framed paintings on the racks at Queen's Park. And so it was our first actual chance to go into the collection store and look at everything. And I just remember we were just like, whoa, there's a Macan, there's a Dick Frizzell, and just like seeing all these works that we'd studied at uni. It's always a good part of the job is that you get to look at pretty things. Mm. Yeah. And get to carry them as yeah. well, like the Goldie that's worth so much and then it's the size of a book and you're just kind of carrying it around. That takes a bit of getting used to. Mm. Yeah. That's also kind of a surprise, like seeing the size of work. Kimberly found a shoe. A shoe? <laughs> uh, we found a high heel shoe behind one of the paintings and we didn't know what it was and lots of stories circulated and then we eventually discovered it was part of a Rob McLeod work fixes to a set of canvases. So lots of detective work to figure out what a lot of these things actually are. I guess the true scale of the collection was kind of a surprise as well. Like I knew it was a large collection, but then that estimate of 5,000 that's bumped up to eight and climbing. I guess the, just seeing the true scale of everything and finding stats of unaccessioned works on paper and things like that is a surprise. Yeah, I think it's usually a surprise to people to find out that our collection is around the same size, if not now, I'm probably a little bigger than the collection of the Christchurch Art Gallery, which is not what you'd really expect, but when you take into consideration the age of the collection and how long we've been at it, it makes sense. I really like discovering the Antarctica lithographs by Dr. Edward Wilson, who was um, with Scott on the Terra Nova expedition and um, died with Scott on the way back from the South Pole, so it was quite cool seeing uh, some lithographs of his original watercolours from that trip. Uh, I suppose a highlight for me was finding an album of albumin prints um, that were taken in Italy in the late 19th or early 20th century, and it was just such like a surprise find to find it in New Zealand for this amazing grand tour of Italy done at the time where photography was at its quite earliest in terms of reproducing artworks. That was exciting. Well, we thought that we'd cleared most of the dome store at Queen's Park and then we noticed that there was this kind of large wooden crate. Don't know how we missed it, but it was mostly buried underneath some old um, frames that weren't being used anymore. 
and so we opened it up and then inside were 33 pristine lithographs depicting the Crimean War and now by an artist called William Simpson who was a Scottish war artist and he was actually a correspondent and spent time at the front at Sebastopol in 1855 so they're pretty realistic and really interesting like depictions of the war and his whole outlook was he was really interested in the plight of the everyday soldier so I think that's a pretty interesting find to have in Wanganui 150 years later. I think that's the great thing about a collection like the one at the Sargent is that there are endless stories to be told and we just keep finding more mm. which has been great in this project is all the stuff that we had no idea about that it's a little daunting when you think about all the research you need to do but it's also incredibly exciting so you, have any of you had a favorite thing about the job my all-time favorite highlight from my time here is meeting Violet Whiteman's family and discovering the story behind T.D. Fox it goes with the painting it's just yeah really nice there's such a depth and richness to the to the narrative behind works that you don't know when you just see them for the first time. Uh, another good part of the job has been our manager Jennifer's really let us take initiative of solving problems or just like coming up with solutions for maybe transporting something or just the way it's going to be stored in the collection store in the future and things like that. She's really let us uh, take the initiative but also been there supporting us to come up with these solutions and that's been a really good aspect of the job is getting that experience that you wouldn't normally get elsewhere and having the opportunities to do like tons of different stuff and yeah. one of the best parts for me. We've all really enjoyed the varied nature of our days here. Like you can be doing things like nesting an object one minute and then you're off cataloguing the next and then doing physical, like there's been a lot of lifting and stuff. It's been quite good to get fit while we're here. Lots of stairs. Yeah. And this is where I say that they're all currently wearing steel-capped boots. Yep. Every day. Yeah, and sometimes when we're not on a move day, we're wearing our steel-capped boots with dresses or skirts, <laughs> <laughs> which always look good. Now, the sergeant is great, the collection's great, but I'm sure there have been some challenging things because there is no collection that is perfect. What are sort of the, the difficult things you've had to deal with? The offsite store was probably a challenge. It was, we built it during winter, mm, yeah. so it was really cold and also it was quite, it wasn't very pristine, it was quite dirty in places and things like that, so it got a bit gross. And also just the scale of it, it was all really, really large crates and really large um, sculptural works or pieces of sculptural works or installations from the dome. Yeah, the environment at the old sergeant building um, was quite a challenge and really highlighted the need for the temporary premises here and the redevelopment up the hill with you know extreme temperature fluctuations and um, you know having to work in 30 degree heat or fit a, a giant canvas out of a single door which was yeah often challenging because it wasn't built to the kind of standards that we need today. You know lift of a limited size so. But there's been things throughout that we kind of knew were coming and we thought that they were going to be big challenges and then when it actually came to it, they weren't. Like, everything that we've come across, we've kind of dealt with it and... Yeah, I was amazed when we took flight into Egypt off the wall. I expected it to be a 
much lengthier and more involved process than it was. And we got it, like you guys, I helped a little bit for just standing and holding for a second, but less than a day to get it off the wall and packed yeah, is yeah. incredible. Yeah, I think like, that would take, yeah, take a couple of days at least. It's kind of like the challenge of the unknown. Like we spent lots of time planning and like thinking about flight to Egypt and like thinking of all the things that could go wrong and what would be a challenge. But then on the day, because we were so prepared, everything kind of just went smoothly. We had around 12 move days with Pran and we've had 70 separate trips now. So that's 70 trips from Queen's Park to Turkey and back. We've had, like, they've been really good as well, like the guys from Crown. We've had the same driver for most of those trips, and he's been really good. <laughs> and um, the other guys, they've been really respectful and they've been really quick to not necessarily change the way they work, but to kind of respect what they are moving, like the nature of moving an art collection opposed to what they would normally be doing. And they've been really good to adjust to that kind of pace of working and yeah, things like that. What we're doing is not like moving a house because we need to make sure that all the works are tracked throughout the whole move so we know exactly which move it's gone in, which process it is, when it gets into the building, that it's looked after the whole time. So it takes a little bit longer to make sure it's all done properly. One of the big challenges that we've just finished working on is working on seismic restraints for the collection store and that's just for like if there was ever a really big earthquake like there was in Christchurch that we've got things in place to make sure works aren't damaged as much as possible and there's lots of different things that we've put into place in the collection store like for paintings we've used these special hooks from Japan called Takia hooks. They look like little carabiners almost so that if a painting's going to move in an earthquake, it's not going to jump off the rack. So it's secure. And then for our Solander bays, we're going to get hide store mesh doors installed so that they match our hide store shelves. And just today, we've had Aliak, a local aluminium firm, come in and install some beautiful mesh aluminium racks for some of our other object shelves, and they'll be attached to the shelf so that in an earthquake, the boxes won't just jump straight off the shelf onto the floor. Everything's looking really good. Yeah. Oh, and also, another local firm has also made us these webbing straps to go across our object shelves as well to stop large tubs from coming out. They're kind of like Velcro shoes, were they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the way you do up your Velcro shoe, but for the shelves. That's been a really good part of the job, is being able to liaise with different businesses and professionals around town and the country, like being able to talk with people and discuss ideas and get them to help us with what we need. Also with the paintings, we, we had to attach these little metal brackets we called dovers to the four corners of the painting that would then screw onto the travel frame for moving them and the bottom two would be left on when we hang them on the racks so they're hung on with the carabiner type clips and then the bottom two are left on then we might cable tie those to the racking as an extra measure so they don't swing out even though they can't jump off they, that'll stop them moving and swinging out if there was an earthquake as well. One of the biggest challenges for me I think will be saying goodbye to the project and also the team 
because we've been so engrossed in this world for the last 18 months, so it's going to be really hard to kind of leave that and then move on to something different. And also we've only got three to four months now, we've still got so much to do. The more we do, the more re we realise that this is a never-ending process. And I think most museums and galleries are in the same position, that you never stop researching your collection, you never stop trying to make the conditions in which it's housed as good as possible and improving all the time. So you were employed for these roles for the express purpose of moving the collection. And then a few months ago we threw another thing at you for you to do. So a big thing about having you guys here is the desire within the sergeant to, be, to make sure you have as many opportunities as possible to do as many different things as possible and get as much experience as you can. And so most of the collection works are here. We can start getting collection works out again and who better to highlight some of the great things in the collection than the people who have been working with it for the last almost two years. So starting on the 26th of September we've got two exhibitions from two of you and then we'll be doing a changeover for two exhibitions from the other two. So do you want to talk a little bit each about what your exhibition is and how you came to the idea and what it means to you? Maybe starting with Tamati and Ben because it's your exhibitions that are going up first. Well my exhibition concept is going to be around the human fascination with gold. So it's going to be blinging and glittery and <laughs> just really gold. And it all start. the concept kind of started when I first saw two works in the collection, Gretchen Albrecht's Nocturne and Glenn Burrell's Kitchen Sink. And just seeing Nocturne for the first time was really kind of, I don't know, like gobsmackingly beautiful. And whenever you stand in front of it, whenever I stand in front of it, I just like have this overwhelming sense of something. And there's something about it which is really powerful. And there's lots of sweeping gold brush strokes in it. So I had to use that in my exhibition. And also Glenn Burrell's Kitchen Sink is a sumptuous feast of gold as well. For my exhibition, I'm really interested in photography. So when I first started thinking about an exhibition, I wanted to include heaps of the really great photography that the collection holds. There's a really great collection of New Zealand photography especially and um, the kind of starting point was some of uh, Lawrence Aberhart's um, photographs of Mount Tanaki from the Whanganui River Mouth and those kind of take on a personal significance for me growing up under Mount Tanaki and um, my father passed away when I was just about a year after I was born and he was a really keen mountaineer and his ashes were scattered on the mountain so the mountain's always kind of been this totem, this kind of place for me that's always held this kind of mystery and all these ideas and kind of I've always been really interested in myths and things like that so it's always made me think of the mountain in a kind of different way and then working alongside the river here which like the myth of the mountain ties in with the myth of the river in the sense that in the story of Mount Tanaki he got defeated by Tongariro in the central plateau and he took off towards the sun and then um, he gouged out the land as he moved and that filled with his tears in one of the stories and that created the Whanganui River. So I was thinking about all those kind of things and also 
while I was living in Wanganui, I passed my father in age because he passed away when he was about 30 and I'm 31 as of yesterday. So it was just kind of those thoughts came into it. So that kind of led me to some of the Tony Formerson lithographs, his drawings of the mountain and his myths and things like that that he touches on and stuff to do with the New Zealand landscape. And then I managed to get heaps of other great examples of New Zealand photography that kind of fit within some of those ideas. So Jess and Kimberly, yours are going to be opening up later in the year, but you, I know you've done a little bit of work on them. Do you want to just give us a taste of what yours will be about? Yeah, I haven't done as much as Ben and Tamari here as far as research and getting the ideas together, but mine's basically going to be focusing on duos in the collection, so there's going to be painting, illustration, sculpture and a bit of photography in there and they're all in one way or another featuring a duo or a double or a pair and there's actually quite a lot in the collection so I'm having a really hard time narrowing it down. <laughs> the kind of centrepiece of the exhibition is a group of a, a children's book illustrations by Joan Green and I'm really interested in illustrations so that's what really attracted me to those. It's called Dibble Dabble and the Doubles, and it focuses on two ducks. It's a really cute story. Uh, my show really came out of the transition project um, process, uh, in that a lot of the works I inventoried were by a couple called um, Vivian Smith and his wife Mary, and I just really fell in love with, especially he's done this beautiful drawings of animals at Wellington Zoo, and she, we have a lot of her works from the time that she was at Wellington Technical College. So my show is basically showcasing some of the highlights from the collection, which totals around 800 works, um, mostly given to us by their daughter Lillian when she passed away in the 1980s. Thanks for talking to me. Tamari and Ben's exhibitions will be on view at Sergeant on the Quay from 26th of September until the 29th of November, when they will be replaced by Kimberley and Jess's exhibitions, which will be on display until 14th of February 2016. Thanks for listening. The Sergeant podcast is released monthly and is produced by the Sergeant Gallery Te Whare Rehua Whanganui.